0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you. Whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice as the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. To you, Lord Jesus what are we doing here today? This is a, a question for us to really consider every time we come to Mass. But, but what are we doing here? What what is our purpose today? Some could say our purpose is to come and offer worship to the Lord, to be present, to give Him all of our heart, our soul, all of our love. Some may see this merely as The obligation for the week, check the box, go on, carry about. Some may see this as a time to gather and and see people. For some, this is their first communion. This is what we're doing today. We're celebrating for the first time your opportunity to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. But all of us, in every Mass, have the opportunity to communicate with God. To hear God, to speak to God, to respond. And that might be the most important thing that we do today is that we come and we be present and we offer our prayer and our worship to the Lord. So when we hear this gospel today, Jesus reminding us that he is the gate, he is the great shepherd, there's a line that's left out. It's actually the very next verse. So this is John 10 verses 1 through 10. And they leave out verse 11, which is so critical. Because in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. So not only is Jesus the gate in which we are to pass through to come to know the Father, but he's also the shepherd, the voice we are called to listen to. And in a world full of noises, it's sometimes hard to find the particular voice. Amen? Amen. Yeah. It's difficult sometimes to decipher, is this the Lord talking to me? Is this something else talking to me? And how do I come to know His voice? How do I come to distinguish that from other voices? You know, on a, on a practical level, I think of sports. I think about the amount of practices I went through and the times my coaches were, were talking or yelling or doing something to get my attention... And there's a point where you just kind of tune them in. So, in particular, for me, it comes down to wrestling. You know, you're in a big, big gymnasium. There's lots of mats, lots of whistles, lots of things, lots of noises. And yet, I could tell my coach's voice apart from everyone else. It's not like I went home and listened to a recording of his voice every night to, like, tune myself in. But because... Practice, day in and day out, you just come to recognize particular voices. And for us, as faithful, that comes through Mass, that comes through prayer, that comes through reading of Scripture. Practice, day in and day out, helps us to tune in God's voice. To tune in this voice so that we can follow Him more precisely. Now, there's another example from this gospel when Jesus is talking about the gates. He's referring to um, this entranceway. Well, for many shepherds around that time, they would use carved out pieces of mountain to keep their flocks at night, to protect them. They didn't always have, you know, gates with electric fences and uh, sticks and stuff. They, they just had this opening with just a cave entrance, and then there's this spot where the shepherd would lay. And the reason is that the shepherd, they would lay there. I'm not going to get on the ground. But they'd lay there, you know, like this. Ah! In order that anyone that wanted to get to the sheep had to go through the shepherd. Because the shepherd, again, the verse we don't hear, lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is not just the gatekeeper, but he's also the shepherd. He's the one that leads us and guides us. So one thing for us to consider today is, how attentive am I to God's voice? How efficient am I at being able to decipher and hear His voice in a world full of noises? And if you're like, I I can hear His voice pretty well, give thanks to God, keep going. If it's a little challenging, keep practicing. And if you're thinking, I've never heard His voice... Don't worry. We're going to do an exercise at the end of the homily. You're all going to love it. So that's that's the first part. What are we doing here? We're here listening to the voice of the shepherd, following him, being fed by him. So that brings our second point, being fed. Jesus gives us such a special gift, the gift of the Eucharist. And Why this is so imperative for us is because at the Last Supper, what we celebrated in Holy Week, Jesus instituted two sacraments. He he gave us two sacraments. The first was the sacrament of the priesthood, right? So those 12 apostles he chose and called separate from all the other disciples, he gave them the authority to forgive sins, to um, baptize, to confirm, to ultimately consecrate bread and wine to become then his body and blood. The second sacrament he instituted was the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is not, again, for Catholics, it is not a symbol. It is not a reminder. It's not a representation. For Catholics, the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And this is challenging, because according to my eyes— this looks like a piece of bread. It even feels like a piece of bread. I imagine when I consume this, it'll probably taste like a piece of bread. But right now, that's all it is. It's, it's a host. It's a gift. It's potentially the body of Jesus Christ. But it's not yet. It's later in the Mass, when the priest, with the prayer, consecrates, right? The Holy Spirit descends down. Now, can, can we see the Holy Spirit? One person gave me an answer. Thank you. Okay. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but we know the Holy Spirit's present. You know the Holy Spirit is here. We know that actually we are surrounded by a cloud of saints and angels because when we celebrate Mass, heaven and earth smash together, which is so cool. So the Holy Spirit descends... It actually changes the essence of that bread and that wine. And the essence can never go back. Now, how many of us have been baptized? Great. I wouldn't have known that by looking at you. You wouldn't have known that by looking at me. Because baptism, while it does do something, we can't necessarily see this external change. Now, If I wasn't wearing all of my garments and all of my stuff, would you know I was a priest? If I just randomly walked down the street in just like normal civilian clothes, would you be able to say like, oh, there's a priest right there? Probably not. But that also has ontologically changed me. In the same way, when we look at the hosts, we look at the bread and the wine that are now or will become the body and blood, they look the same. They taste the same. They feel the same. And we call those the accidents. Say accidents. All right, these are the accidents left behind. Because Jesus, out of mercy and love for us, doesn't want us to panic. And we believe we are consuming his body and blood. But he doesn't want us to panic. Because people have this weird tendency to call Catholics cannibals. I don't know why. It's weird. I don't get it. But we're not cannibals. And yet he gives us the very bread of life. Throughout this past week, the weekday readings have been John 6. And John 6 is really adamantly known as uh, the bread of life discourse. And it was just on Friday and Saturday that he got to the crux of that gospel where Jesus reminds them, I am the bread of life. You know, Jesus is a lot of things, isn't he? Bread of life, gate, shepherd. Helps that he's God. So he's the bread of life. And then the particular gospel on Friday, he says no less than five times in about seven verses that anyone who comes and eats my flesh will have eternal life. And he says it so much that the disciples start to question, well, that sounds weird because I don't want to eat your flesh. But Jesus never once changed the word. At the end of that little section, we come to find out many of the disciples left. They thought that that teaching was too hard, that was too difficult. But Jesus never changed the teaching. He never said, oh, actually, no, don't leave. Don't don't separate. Don't go away. I was just kidding. It's not really what I said it was. Jesus allowed those people, with the difficulty that they had, to, to walk. Because the ultimate thing about our faith the the greatest gift of the Catholic Church's faith is that it's a choice. And it's a choice based out of freedom that we freely choose to say, yes, I believe this. We can't force that because if we force things, we lose love. And that's, that's never good. So for the three of you, Stella, Jameson, Reed, the three of you today, this is momentous because the Lord wants to not just enter into you the way he did through baptism and change your soul forever, but he wants to give you his very body and blood. He wants to live in you. And the cool thing about this is when we receive communion, for a moment, we become living and walking tabernacles. Like, how cool is that? Right, that we actually now while we always have the Lord in us, we actually carry the flesh of Jesus in us as we go out. There was a, a priest or a sister one time, she was describing the idea of communion and this, um, the word is called to masticate, to chew on. And as we chew on the substance and we consume the substance and it breaks down in our body, when you think about when food breaks down, it, it goes into small tiny little particles and chemicals and then that gets broken down into sugars and goes into your bloodstream and stuff but the idea is jesus in the most minute way is going and transferring through my whole body like that's what happens when we receive communion he doesn't just stay in my stomach right but he goes out into my blood he goes into my very breath and i become this living walking tabernacle So when we consume the Eucharist, it should actually change something in us. And when we present ourselves for communion, we should present ourselves in a way that is worthy of receiving the King of Kings. So this is important because the world has kind of lost this. That's why we are in the middle of this Eucharistic revival, to remind us what is such a big deal. Because there are plenty of other churches, right? And this is not to knock on or diminish or do anything to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Completely the opposite. But those other theologies they don't teach it the same way that we teach it. That this is the body of Christ. Maybe some do and there's conversations that can be had there but the focus on this is when we come forward and we say the body of Christ and we respond amen the amen is not just a thank you The amen is not just, okay. The amen is, I believe exactly what you are telling me. I believe every bit of what you're saying. I believe in all that the church teaches. I believe in all that the church professes. I believe in all that the church asks of me. So when we present ourselves for communion, all of us, not just the three of them, but for all of us, this is a great reminder of, What am I saying yes to? What am I saying I believe to? And if there's things I don't believe, then why would I be receiving something I don't believe? Granted, the first reading today, that whole Acts of the Apostles, when Peter talks about Jesus, he talks about um, God, those who come to believe, how many were were baptized that day? Do you remember the number? 3,000! Nice, nice, nice. You got it. Yeah, 3,000 came to believe in that one moment because of what Peter said. The gift of the Eucharist is the, 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 the showing of our communion, the showing of our being together. And it's an amazing gift. It's not one that we should take lightly. I, I had asked some of the parishioners weeks ago about just like reflecting on their own first communions Um, there was a parishioner i had at the at the former parish they were um, 98 years old they had received their first communion 91 years ago and they could recall everything on that day Um. And in particular, they they spoke about, in this letter they wrote, they spoke about the sweetness that came from consuming the Eucharist. I was like, that's that's strange. I've never had that experience personally. Um, And yet that was like a particular gift they received. And so, one of the things I want to offer to our three communicants today is a little sheet to remind us So on this sheet, it has your first 100 communions. Now today's already marked, so don't worry about that. But after that, every communion you receive, you're going to fill in for those first 100. And when you complete this, this whole thing, you're going to bring it back to me, I'm going to give you the biggest chocolate bar you can find. (laughs) Because the reminder that the sweetness of, of communion is not just in our first communion, but it's in every communion. And so whether you're on your first, your hundredth, your thousandth, whatever it is, that communion should have the same sweetness, that same joy, that same awe, wonder and awe. That I am receiving the living Jesus Christ. And that he wants to live in me. He wants to work through me. You know, the communion is one of our three sacraments of initiation. Your baptism adopted you into the family of God. Confirmation, which will come, sends you out on the mission to live out the adult life in the church. But communion is the nourishment. It's the part that sustains us. It's the the day-in-the-day-out grind of being like, okay, this is tough today, and yet I know the Lord is filling me up. It's our tangible way of encountering God. So just as Jesus reminds us that he is the gatekeeper— that he is the good shepherd, that he lays down his life for us. He's also the bread of life, the one who wants to live in and through us. And so this is such an exciting day. And if you're a little nervous, that's okay. I'm going to help you. You can't screw this up. I don't think. I'm pretty positive you can't. But, But what we are declaring today is so big. And it's such a good reminder for the rest of us, you three are a witness and a reminder for the rest of us of what, how we should act, how we should approach, how we should care for the Eucharist. Uh, so I thank you for that because it's a great reminder. The last part is this. When we are listening for the voice of God, right, and there's all these noises again, we've done this once. We're going to do it again really fast, just as a reminder. We won't spend a ton of time on it, but we're going to just recognize that God can use the voices that are in our head and the imagination that he has granted to us to see and hear him. So, real quick, say your name in your head, silently. Go. Excellent. everyone hear a voice? Awesome. If you didn't, it's weird. So, we heard a voice. Awesome. Now we're going to ask this question. We're going to ask it out loud. Ready? Jesus? Do you love me? you hear something yeah yeah and so hopefully we heard something if you heard something that said no ignore that <laughs> that is not of the lord he's not going to say no, i don't love you that's so weird but if it was that voice okay that's because he uses that voice even if like no that's what i wanted to hear but maybe jesus wanted you to hear that that's why He used it all right second jesus, jesus. how do you see me Maybe we heard something. Maybe we saw something. That could be kind of cool. If you're like, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. It's okay. Don't panic. Might be your first time doing this. It takes practice. Third question Jesus? Jesus? What's my mission? Again, yeah, same thing. Maybe we hear something, maybe not, maybe we see something. I get the same answer for that third one. <laughs> Every time I ask the question, Jesus, what's my mission? He says, to be my sheepdog. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I can do that. Um, so I like it. That's, I'm good with that. And then I've seen pictures of like sheepdogs that are just like ragged, just like, the sheep. I'm like, I get you, dog. So the regardless point is this, that God will use this voice and he'll use this imagination because he made it. Why would he not use it? But these are things we have to practice day in and day out. Those three questions are just the beginning part. Use, them, use those three questions. Brian, Shroff, use a bunch of other questions. But if you ever hear things in the negative, remember, that's not God. God's not going to tell you he hates you or doesn't love you, Whatever. But practice that because the voice, the noise, there's a lot of stuff, right? We know that. There's a train that goes by randomly all the time here. And yet we have to stay tuned in on him. So my last question for my three communicants, real simple. Are you excited to receive your first communion today?